This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we are going to do one of my favorite things in the world, which is talk with a guest who's not in the United States. I just love it when we reach people from other countries, because a lot of the messages and a lot of the tools and tips that we talk about really are something that can be used around the world. And so this is is always so much fun for me to do this. And of course, I just love the topic too. So we're going to have great fun today. So please join me in welcoming Robert Garish to our program today. Welcome, Robert. Thank you, Deb. I'm delighted to be here from uh, Sydney, Australia. So oh. thank you. Got it. That's on my bucket list, you know, and, and it's funny, I have a friend right now as, as we're recording this who is there um, on vacation and she's been posting pictures on Facebook and I'm just so jealous because, oh, you know, it's the koalas and, and I'm like, oh, you know, in the opera house and uh, I, mean, I will make it there at some point. I will definitely make it there. Um, well, I'm sure you will and we'll be ready for you. I'll, oh, I'll yeah, I'll, yeah I'll good or bad, right? <laughs> You'll warn everybody, look out, look out. Sure. So before we get started, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So Robert Garish supports individuals starting, growing, fine-tuning, or exiting their business. He founded the Flying Solo online community, co-wrote the bestseller of the same name, and in late 2018 launched his latest book, The One Minute Commute, with publisher Pan McMillan. He is a podcaster, speaker, and works one-on-one with a small group of independent professionals from his base in Sydney, Australia, which that is such a short bio for everything that you have done because I I love learning more about you. So let's let's start a little bit at the beginning. Why did you decide that this was a passion for you? Okay, well, look, uh, I should warn you that uh, if you ask me to tell tell you my story, we could... You'll have a problem quietening me down, but oh, uh, you've, not, you've, in, <laughs> you've invited me. So I opened the door. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, look out. All right. So let me let me tell you. So you may or may not be able to pick up um, that my accent is actually British rather than Australian. Mm-hmm. So I've uh, lived in Australia for a little over 20 years. Okay. Um, I'm married. We have a young son. I'm married to an Australian. And I came here in the mid-1990s, early mm-hmm. 1990s, actually. So I will answer your question, I promise you. Now, what actually um, sort of got me here was that um, I'd spent most of my, I guess, you know, I'm in my early 60s now, so I spent most of my sort of formative career years uh, working in London and working in the marketing and design industry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, fairly sort of full-on, fairly intensive job with a small agency uh, in a very busy time. I mean, it was a wonderful time, wonderful Mm -hmm. time. Um, and I worked my way through that business. At the end of uh, the 1980s, we sold that business to Saatchi and Saatchi, who at that point were the world's sort of biggest ad right. agency group. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I found myself at the end of the sort of 1980s, 
uh, fairly burnt out um, with probably a little bit too much cash in my pocket, to be honest, <laughs> to sell the business. Mm-hmm. Not an awful lot, but enough. And I was, a, I was, a, you know, I was, I was approaching my my forties. I was in my late thirties, and I was just thinking, this, you know, do I really want to just go in and get another big job? You know, is that what I want to do? And the answer was, I didn't want to do that. Now, for whatever reason, most of my friends had sort of gone off and got married, and I hadn't. So I was footloose and fancy free, and I thought, right, if ever there's a time to give myself a sort of long service leave, now surely is the time. So mm-hmm. to cut a long story short, I took a year off and traveled the world. Well, not all of it, but you know, a fair slug of it. And, uh, and the purpose of it was to, you know, my sister lived in Africa at that time. I had some good friends down here. I wanted to go to India and through Asia and all of those kind of places. So I thought, you know, I'll spend some time traveling, have a look at the world and work out what I want to do next. But I was in, I was well aware, Deb, that I was kind of looking for a different way of living and working. I really was quite burnt out at that point. And um, so I ended up, uh, I made my way to Australia, sort of circuitously came here and immediately fell in love with Australia. It was just such an easy place for me as as a Brit uh, to live because you know, the language is the same, the culture is very similar. So I kind of fitted right in. Mm-hmm. And um, basically what happened was in a very short space of time, I was actually offered a job with a big design group um, in Sydney and I took it. So, um, you know, what I'd actually done in hindsight was just swapped a big job in London for a big job in Sydney. And, mm-hmm. you know, whilst the sun shines a lot more here, a big job's still a big job. You know, right. I, I was... I was still kind of working too hard. So I thought, this still isn't right. It still isn't really what I'm looking for. And at that point, I'd met my now wife, Jane, and we both sort of decided, you know, we wanted to start a family. And again, I was thinking, I just want to live and work in an easier sort of way, a different way, a less stressful mm-hmm. way. And Australia, I noticed, was was um, was quite different. You're much more laid back in Australia, certainly than, than in what I've been used to in London. And I thought this is, you know, there's a lifestyle here because of the climate as well that I just couldn't enjoy in the UK. So I started getting really getting attracted to this lifestyle. Thinking, how could I actually be doing some work um, and maybe setting up a business that would allow me to just really enjoy this stage of my life? By then, we'd had a, a child, so we had a young baby in the house. Um, so I started. I left my big job, the design job, and I started consulting initially. So I was helping uh, small creative businesses sort of establish themselves, uh, work out who their market were, how they were going to position, how the, their pro- marketing propositions, all, that, all this kind of stuff that was familiar to me. Mm-hmm. And then one night, as these things do, you know, sort of serendipity played a hand. I met a, a guy at a dinner party, uh, a psychologist, and I don't know about you, Deb, but if there's one seat at a table, don't sit next to the psychologist. Right. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this is the guy who's going to tell you how messed up you are. But anyway, he wasn't like that. He was delightful. And he started, you know, being fairly inquisitive. And he said, what is it you really enjoy about your work? And I said, well, I said, I do, you know, I enjoy my work. I do lots of consulting with people. I said, but the bit I really enjoy is at the sort of end of the working day when maybe we go to a bar or we go to a cafe and that's when the business owner really starts to open up to me and you know talks about their life and broader things. And um, and the guy said, "Well, it sounds to me you should have a look at this new thing called coaching." This was in nineteen, 
uh, when would this have been? 1999, I think mm-hmm. it was, 1998, 1999. You should look at this new thing called coaching. It's something new that's basically been started in the in the US and uh, it's coming to Australia. Have a look at it. So I did. I researched it and there was a very wonderful man uh, called Thomas Leonard, who you may or may not be aware of in the US, unfortunately no longer with us, but he had started a company called Coach University in the US mm-hmm. and he was training people to be coaches and lo and behold again serendipity uh some of his trainers were coming over to australia a few weeks later to introduce coaching to australia so i was in the right place at the right time so i signed up for that course and again to cut a long story short i went through and did my coach training with with coach university i then joined uh, the international coach federation and indeed sat on the board the founding board of the Australian arm of the International Coach Federation. So I got really involved in coaching and I loved it. I was, Suddenly I found a way that I could kind of do what I was doing, but deliver it in a way that actually had much more meaning, was much more valuable, um, and was less about me rolling up my sleeves and doing everything and focusing more on the actual business owner and helping them do those things. But anyway, we all know what coaching is these days. So. That was going really nice. I was really enjoying myself. I was um, getting some traction. I, was, uh, I found that it was a, a very natural thing for me to do. And then, again, fate plays a, a lovely hand where the a- ABC TV in Australia, so the Australian equivalent of your ABC, mm-hmm. the Australian Broadcasting Company, was doing a documentary on new work practices. This is now in 2000, I would mm-hmm. be 2001 maybe. And um, through delightful, you know, sort of twist of fate again, um, they had heard about me from somebody. And the next thing I knew, I had a camera crew following following me and a couple of my coaching clients. Mm -hmm. And I was had a major segment within this uh, one hour documentary all about this new thing called coaching. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, basically, what happened there was so I had this nice little business. We had our young son. and then I suddenly had nationwide TV exposure, and my business went bonkers. Right. You know, overnight, suddenly you were my the f- expert. Yeah, and my phone was ringing off the hook. It was, I mean, it was wonderful, and it was crazy. Right. Because you know, three or four weeks later, here I was now trying to run a nice little sort of lifestyle-focused business. I was working twenty-four-seven. You know, I was basically uh, of the opinion that you know make hay while the sun shines. So never say no to a client and all, all of those kind of stories. So I was, I was working all day, every day and getting myself burnt out again. You know, I right. probably wasn't getting much sleep because our son was, um, you know, it was a newborn. Mm-hmm. So um, again, I sat down and I thought, okay, hang on a minute, get control here, Robert. You know, what, how, how am I going to wrestle this sort of growing business into the business I really want? Mm-hmm. So I pulled all my phone sockets out of the wall and I sat there with note, all the files of everyone I'd spoken to. By then, you know, a good number of people. And I put all the people that I loved working with in one pile and that, that really kind of resonated and engaged with what I wanted to do in one pile and all the other people in a different pile. And lo and behold, all the people that I really enjoyed working with, that I had real success with, were all solo business owners. They were all people Hmm. working by themselves, Mm -hmm. building a business that really suited and fitted in with their lifestyle. 
So when I think of lifestyle business, I don't think of people lying in hammocks with laptops. Right. That's, you know, that's just... We wish. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's just unrealistic. I mean, mm-hmm. you've taken a laptop to the beach, you can't see the damn thing. It just mm-hmm. doesn't work. So lifestyle business to me is uh, being able to run a business that supports your life, that allows you to work how you want to work, and that puts food on the table regularly and reliably. That, to me, is a successful lifestyle business, a business that allows you to be who you want to be, where you can work with the people you want, when you want, where you want. That, to me, is a lifestyle business. Anyway. I digress. So I had all these people in one pile that I love working. I could see they're all solo businesses. And being a marketing person, uh, I thought, okay, I'm onto something here. And the right. internet was, you know, was just kind of starting at about that time. So mm-hmm. I, I rushed out and I registered the name Flying Solo. Um, I started writing. I've always enjoyed writing. So I started writing, you know, email newsletters were just starting. Mm-hmm. This was in the time, Deb, if you can remember, where if you walked into a room full of people, and you said, hey, I've got an email newsletter. Who'd like to receive it? Everybody in the room would put their hand up. Right, because it you was know, so new. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. And they, and if you walked into the room and said, I'm a business coach, they go, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now if you walk into a room and say, I'm a business coach, and I've got a newsletter, everybody ducks for cover. Right, and, and 10 other people raise their hands. Yeah, absolutely. It's very different, very different. Anyway, so I've registered Flying Solo. I started uh, sort of writing a newsletter. And then I was approached by the Daily Telegraph, one of our major national newspapers, and they asked me, would I like to write a regular column for them? And I said, sure. So I used to write a fortnightly and two-weekly column for them. Then a publisher at that point, it was a publisher called Alan and Unwin. They approached me and asked me, would I like to write a book? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, of course I would. What, what should we call it? And they said, well, what about flying solo? So again, as a marketing person, I thought, okay, so I've got a publisher who wants mm-hmm. to publish a book and they want to use my brand name. You know, why would I say no to that? So right. I did all of these things. So things just really started to happen. It was wonderful. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, at that time, we had a young son and I was a very involved father mm-hmm. uh, with my wife. And uh, so it got to the point where basically I was kind of not really delivering on my book manuscript mm-hmm. fast enough because I just was working and, and not sleeping enough. Um, and by then I sort of befriended um, a, a particular woman, Sam Leader, her name is. And, um, and so I approached her and said, hey, and she was a 20 years younger than me and a, a writer herself, a commercial writer. I said, look, would you be interested in co-authoring a book with me? Because if I don't do something, I'm never going to finish this mm-hmm. book. And, uh, and she said, yeah, I'd love to. So that's what we did. Uh, we wrote the book together. Um, and at the end of it, you know, that launched, oh, this was 2003 or four by then, I think. The book did extremely well in, within our region, within Australia. It became a bestseller fairly quickly, mm-hmm. um, gave us a lot of publicity and profile. And we realized clearly we were onto something here. There was a lot of people that were interested in learning how to run a very small business that could really suit their life. So we started then what was called, um, gosh, what was it called? It was, it was before there were kind of communities. It was, it was the idea of just sort of putting articles on a website. You know, mm-hmm. it, was a very, it was a very new thing, but we, we, a portal, that's what they used to call right. them. Mm-hmm. So we started a portal, we put articles on there, and again, within a quite a short space of time, we were getting a lot of traction. 
a lot of people were coming and reading our things. They wanted, we could see they wanted to talk to each other. So we started a forum and basically that grew into the Flying Solo online community, which is an Australian community, Australian small businesses. Uh, they've got about 125,000 members now, I think, which, you know, for, for um, a population of Australia is pretty big. I, th- I did right. some. That's a huge number. It is, yeah. I, I kind of d- did some extrapolation. If we had the population of the US, that would be, you know, 1.4 million mm-hmm. members or something like that. Right. So, you know, it was, it, it was, it, it is, it's sort of very successful business. I actually sold that business uh, just over a year ago, mm-hmm. ran it very happily for 12 years with Sam and another partner, and we had a little crew of us. Yeah, so that's kind of, that's my story, basically, is that um, I have uh, just, totally totally spent the last um, dozen or more in fact much more now nearly 20 years of my life just working with people that are running want to run a very small sharp enjoyable little business and now that i've sold flying solo it's you know it's what i still do it's mm-hmm. i as you mentioned i've written another book the one minute commute which is it's called that because the idea is you commute from your you know your kitchen to your front room or, or whatever right. Um, Short walk. And that's, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so that's still the work that I do. I mm-hmm. just work with that group of people and, uh, and, and love every minute of it. You know, and what I love about your story is it's exactly what you're still doing. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. how many of us as the, the small business owner, as the entrepreneur, did exactly what you did. You know, we mm. were in, you know, big, you know, as we would call it here, corporate America. Um, yeah. you know, we worked for a big corporation. We, for whatever reason, left, you know, sometimes it was by choice, sometimes not so much by choice. Mm. And, you know, and, and then we thought, oh, hey, we've got this great thing that we can do. And, but we, we really had no idea what to do. And I think mm. that's probably, you know, as I was reading your book, that was what was so nice because you walk people through the steps of you know of of starting your you know kind of your your own business not the technical aspects you know like no. getting a bank account you know and, and things like that but the more say esoteric you know th- think about it really before you you make this leap um because so many people well i could do that but they mm. really couldn't um mm. you know but it was funny as i was reading your book the what struck me was you used a term in there that I kept going, ooh, that's me. Oh, ooh, that's me. And it's the term soloist. And yes. what I really like about that is, and, and I'll have you define it here in a moment. Sure. It was something that, it, like I said, it was brand new to me. I had never heard the term before. I call myself a small business owner. I call myself an entrepreneur. But a soloist is actually what fits me better. So mm. what to you is a soloist? Yeah, well, let's look. It's a, that's a great question, and it's lovely to hear you say that because there is there is so. Just before I respond to that, there is um, there are so many ways that that others describe us, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I've I, the reason I came up with solo. So I should give you that first. Is that when I was talking to people, and I do, I go out and do a fair bit of talking, as I know that you do. You know, I love networking. I just love nothing more than walking into a room full of, of, of small businesses. Um, I just really enjoy it. And what I found when I was talking to these people is, is they, didn't, they weren't using the language of small business. I mean, yes, they, they would say, I'm a small business, but 
it's not the kind of it doesn't feel very emotive it's not a it's not a term that anyone really attaches themselves to mm-hmm. but when you when i actually spoke with people uh and 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 inquired as to why were they doing what they were doing all the time in in the in my ideal audience every single person was was very passionate and committed about doing what working the way they wanted to do it they wanted the independence they wanted the freedom of doing their own thing their way and they wanted to get a sense of doing meaningful work that was fulfilling and not necessarily work that would generate masses and masses of revenue but sufficient revenue to right. live the way they wanted to live mm-hmm. so i think of a soloist um very much as someone who is doing their business their way so what i've tried to do in the book as well as you say i don't talk about how to register business names or bank accounts because there's lots of other people do a really right. fine job mm-hmm. of that and most of the governments and you know be they state or or federal governments around the world have got lots of information about that what i'm interested more is who do you need to be to succeed on your own mm-hmm. um and that's that's where i tend to focus my work because a lot of people out there are thinking about starting a business and in some cases they know what they want to do they just don't know how to do it in other cases they know how to do it but they don't know what it is they want to do there's all these these things um all these issues that that um can kind of stop people making the step and what i've tried to do with everything that i do is just demystify a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. and what the biggest compliment that anyone can really pay pay me with regard to my book is that and it's it's on audible now as well so i've had some nice comments from people who listen to the audio version where they say you know it's just like sort of having a coffee with a friend right and i love that you know when I, and when i see a copy of my book that's got uh post-it notes in it or pages ripped out or or marks you know that to my mind that's how to use this book mm-hmm. it's it's meant to be a, a manual that you can go to and it's like oh okay i need to stay motivated what do i do about that i need to get more clients what can i do that's going to work i need to understand my finances and charge a bit more how do i do that you know it's meant to be a dip in dip out you know dip in and out sort of book um and that's what i hope it does so to answer your question with the soloist as far as i can say the soloist is somebody as i say who's running their business their way and they're doing it for them now that might sound ever so slightly selfish to somebody listening but really if we can't find the work that really suits us um and that really brings us joy then what chance do we have of putting the kind of the best version of ourselves out to the world mm-hmm. you know we don't so i think right. my belief is that when we find the work that really resonates with us when we find the work that people want then that allows us to be who we really want to be so what i find is as my one of my greatest kind of joys running my own business is that the the robot that you see it's at 6:00 uh, in the morning is the same one you'll see at 6:00 in the evening mm-hmm. you know it's not like some of our poor unfortunate corporate friends who have to go to the bar and and you know down four or five beers before they can face their family right you know it, or go for a or go for a walk around the block before they can go to their front door that's not how we ought to be you know mm-hmm. ideally what we the way that we i believe should be able to live and work 
is in a way that really sits well with us, that aligns with our values, that allows us to be the people we want to be. Mm-hmm. And you know, in Australia, seven out of ten small businesses are one-person businesses. Wow! It's over seven, over seventy percent, seventy-three percent, I think it is. Now, the statistics are very similar in the U.S., mm-hmm. but often what we see—I mean, they're very, very similar in the U.S. But what we often see is we'll see our media and um, and various uh, sort of opinion leaders or uh, people talking about the business. They will they will lump us together as small business SMEs, SMBs, mm-hmm. you know. But within that, that just does not describe really who most of us are. Most of us are working by ourselves. Uh, of those people working by themselves, most of us again are working from a home base mm-hmm. and. You know, and we do that because we want to do that. Mm-hmm. Often what what's and forgive me, I want a bit of a roll here, but That's fine. Um, a bit of a rant. Because often mm-hmm. the way that certainly in, in Australia, the way government tends to or has tended to kind of speak to us is as if there's something that's not quite worked out for us. You mm-hmm. know, all little businesses working from the third bedroom at home, you know, they haven't managed to grow into their own office. That's the way some that's the language and uh, positioning that some people have or view they have of us. Whereas in reality, you know what? We're working from a home base because mm-hmm. we want to work from right. a home base. We want to be around our family or we mm-hmm. want to be part of our neighborhood, part of our community. We want to be available. You know, so, and I do think certainly in Australia, it, it's shifting a great deal. And I won't pretend that I've had any great input in that, but, you know, I'd like to think that the flying solo community has because it's grown, has been able to kind of raise its voice a little. Mm-hmm. And I do think businesses are beginning to realize, uh, or uh, not just businesses, but uh, governments are beginning to realize that actually it's it's us really little guys that are, in many cases, the hub of a lot of communities. Right. You know, we're the families that are at home. We're the families that are at the school gates picking up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. We're the families that are spending money locally in our businesses um so in terms of the kind of fabric of our society very very small businesses contribute hugely to that and one of the wonderful things about the whole sort of freelance economy you know that's been often the example given is uber and you know airbnb and all these kind of mm-hmm. businesses that are cropped up um what there's actually i think showing everybody is yes we can run very legitimate very small businesses that while we don't grow in terms of employment, we grow in terms of giving work to lots of other solo businesses. Mm-hmm. So you know, in my solo business, I have, I think, five or six other soloists who I work with. I have right. a designer. I have an editor. I have a, a podcast tech guy. I have someone who comes and does my garden. I have someone who comes and cleans my house. Mm-hmm. I have someone who helps me with some writing now and again. You know, so... I have my bookkeeper, I have my accountant. So these are, we're all individuals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that I think again is, is what people absolutely do realize now is that we can run a business like that and it is extremely good for our economy and for our communities. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was interesting because as you were talking, I was, I was glancing at some things, uh, you know, just looking some things up. And one mm. of the things you mentioned in, in the book is that, to you, and, and it made perfect sense once I thought about this, an entrepreneur is often the serial entrepreneur. They've got this great idea, they start the business, they sell it. 
They've got yep. another great idea, you know, and, and there's obviously nothing wrong with that. Sometimes, you know, that's, that's how some of the, the biggest and, and greatest and you know, most successful businesses happen, mm. you know, and, and, and for them, it's kind of that, the, the passion that they have is that starting it up, you know, those, those mm. initial, you know, things. And then when it is functioning well, they're ready to move on to something else. Um, yep. And then I was looking at the, the definition of small business. I just, you know, typed into to, to the Google, um, mm. as my mother calls it, the Google. Um, <laughs> what, is, I do, what is a small business? That was just what I, what I asked. And of course, yes. here in the United States, we have the Small Business Administration, you know, so big government mm. entity. And, you know, we do tend to think of small business as the, the, you know, the very small numbers of people and money, because that is, is part of it. Sure. But according to the SBA, it can even be up to 1,500 employees bringing in millions of dollars a year. Mm, mm. So it's, it's this huge thing between, you know, me and my bedroom up to, you know, these, these, what I would consider a large company. I mean, I don't care what the Small Business Administration says. Yeah. And so that is, again, what appealed to me about saying that I'm a soloist. Mm. Um, you know, it is just me, but like you, I have other people that support me, that I support, um, mm -hmm. you know, all these various things. And so we're kind of like these little entities unto ourselves. Um, you know, if we were a company, we'd hire those people. Um, yeah. But as, as, you know, the, the solo person, we still do that. We form the partnerships, you know, we, we, and, you know, and it can be that, that we have multiple ones, you know, you know, mm. say you're a website designer. Well, then you might have three or four graphic designers that you work with all these, these various things. And so I, again, I just love that concept of a soloist. Yeah. Look, and I think there's been, there's a parallel drawn. I forgive me. I can't recall who drew it some years ago. Uh, actually, I think it might've been Dan Pink. Um, American author who wrote Free Agent Nation in about 2000, I think. Um, and that was a, you know, quite a groundbreaking book when he wrote it. And, um, and in there, Dan sort of likened the, um, the, the sort of status of very small businesses. Uh, he used the film industry as an example. Mm. You know, when, when, uh, when a film is commissioned, what happens is, a lot of feelers are put out for a lot of people to work on the film. So mm -hmm. a set designer will come in, a carpenter will come in and do things, a sound recorder, a lighting engineer, someone will come and do catering, they'll do makeup. So all these individuals join for the period of the, of the movie, mm -hmm. right? And so they're all freelancers or soloists, whatever you want to call them. They all come together for to make a film. And that's, that's a nice parallel because that's kind of how I see a lot of solo businesses mm -hmm. is, is as a soloist, we're the kind of the filmmakers. We're sitting in the director's chair. We're making the movie, but we call in talent as and when we need it. Right. Now, and that's a lovely way to think of it because when we, when we ran Flying Solo, when I ran Flying Solo, I should say, for a dozen or more years, we had uh, eight or ten people working with us, but they were all soloists. So mm -hmm. no one was an employee. They were all contractors that worked with us. And the first thing we'd ask anyone that wants to join us is, how do you want to work with this? Mm -hmm. How many hours have you got and how do you want to do it? Mm -hmm. um, and so we had people dotted all around the country, in fact, all around the world, um, and they would work the way they wanted to work. We, you know, we had a list of these are the jobs that we'd like you to do. You tell us how and when you'd like to do them. And that's how we designed our business. So mm -hmm. most of the people working, well, in fact, all the people working with us had their own little commercial businesses alongside their roles with us. Uh, we came together 
quite rarely actually face to face, but we, you know, we we worked on Slack uh, a great deal in the, certainly in the latter years. And everyone did what they wanted to do and worked how they wanted to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were, had a very strong kind of communication ethic within the business. And we all had the sense that we're all doing this together, but also for ourselves. Right. You know, we were, as, a, as a business flying solo, we wanted to be the best possible client for those soloists. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to be the, the nicest people they, that they'd ever worked with. And that's what we tried to do, and and it worked. You know, we, in the in the twelve years we ran the business, we the only person who left uh, was Jody because she she had a baby and oh, she okay, so to she took on another role. <laughs> she took on a she sure sure did, um, but you know we had <clears throat> we had a wonderful wonderful time running our business, um, and and there was never you know we never wanted to employ anyone, and mm-hmm. I'd know what's more the people the sort of people we wanted to have on our team they didn't want to be employed anyway because right. they were all followers so mm-hmm. anyway i'm i'm sort of running on a bit of a tangent but yeah and, and it's interesting you, you talk about entrepreneurs and and often people say to me well is, is a soloist an entrepreneur and i would say you know yes but not always you know mm-hmm. some people like to because i do think of an entrepreneur as somebody who who uh, is attracted by something builds it and moves on. Mm-hmm. They just can't stop doing that. Right. Now, you can have an entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. within any business. And I consider that's kind of who I am. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think I'm an entrepreneur. I haven't started hundreds of businesses, but I start lots of little projects within my business. Mm-hmm. And I think it's my entrepreneurial spirit that allows me, fuels me to do that. Right. So I think of new ways of doing things and new, you know, new strategies and new actions. That, I think, is where the entrepreneurial spirit is alive in so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, there's an awful lot of people that, you know, solo entrepreneur or solopreneur is another phrase that people mm-hmm. have tried to use. And, uh, and I've used it myself. But um, I'd, I'd, we don't have to be entrepreneurial. There's nothing wrong with start. If, if you're a, a yoga uh, instructor, let's say, you know, then if that's your passion, then just let's make that the best business that can possibly mm-hmm. be for you. Right. You know, it does, you don't have to flip it and scale it and do all those kind of things. If you want to just run a yoga practice and have a business that's reliable, enjoyable, that does meaningful stuff, puts food on the table, then, you know, where's the problem with that? That's mm-hmm. a great business. Right. Well, um, you know, my other thought as we were talking about this is a lot of times an entrepreneur is starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've got this idea. They think, hey, you know, let's, let's sell this widget. Let's do this, whatever. And in some cases, a soloist could actually, you know, it, it might be that, that, you know, we here in the United States, at least, we have many franchise opportunities for somebody that is just, you know, you mentioned yoga. That was actually what I thought of when, when yep. you know, where the person is part of kind of that bigger entity. Mm. So they've got kind of that marketing support and, and things like that, but then they're their own entity too, um, yep. you know, and, and so it's, it's kind of a different type of, of concept, but you know, the, the nice thing is we have so much flexibility that we mm. can do all these various things. And so we can find, you know, kind of what matches us the best. Oh, look, t- I mean, yes, I don't, you know, it sounds like a bit of a cliche now, but I mean, I just don't think there's ever been a better time to run your business right. than now. Mm-hmm. You know, the the barriers to entry that existed maybe a decade ago 
simply aren't there anymore. You know, we can get things started. We can trial things. Mm -hmm. We can run our business initially as a side hustle, you know, alongside other work. And I think that's a great way for a lot of people to get to, to get started. And indeed, it can be a great way just to continue. You know, I know right. people that have got a full-time job and a little business on the side. And why would anybody want to change mm -hmm. anything? You know, that's right. perfect. Well, so, and yeah. obviously technology has, has helped a great deal with oh, that. Yeah. You know, you mentioned yes. that you work with people around, you know, the, in, in even other countries, you know, so mm. do I, you know, we've got people all over everywhere and, you know, and, and, and we can have the technology in our home office that rivals anything in, in big corporations, things like that. Um, you know, and, and it's funny, you, you talk about startup. When I started my business, which has been now over 20 years ago, you had to go to the Secretary of State's office in, you know, so I was in Denver. So I went to the Secretary of State's office in Denver. I stood in line. I filled out forms. I did all of this stuff. It was very complicated. I handed her my money. I don't even remember at that point what it was. And I, I was expecting, you know, doo -doo -doo -doo, you know, and, you know, confetti and, and all those things. And she handed me a receipt. Right. And that was it. And I was like, what? You know, and yeah. somewhere I have that receipt, you know, and, and, but now of course you do it all online. Um, mm. you know, and, and, and that's, I think that is part of what has made it easier to, to be a soloist, an entrepreneur, you know, whatever it is that, that, that we are, because we can do these various things. You know, I've had guests on before who've talked about doing business actually in another state and you're not physically there, but you're mm -hmm. taking advantage of tax codes and, and all sorts of things. And, um, you know, and, and heck you and I are, you know, I'm, I'm doing this recording on a Wednesday afternoon and it's Thursday morning for you. You mm. know, we couldn't have done that even 10 years ago. Um, not reliably at least. No. And so oh, when, that, Wednesdays. What, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. makes it so exciting. Yeah, where are we? It's yeah, it's Tuesday for me. I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> Wednesdays, so yesterday for us in Australia. Right. No, no, I'm joking. So yes, we it's Thursday here. So look, yeah, I think it's very good points that you make, and um, you're so right. Is yes, as as as, uh, as very small businesses, as seller businesses, we can have the technology mm -hmm. that the big end of town has. We also, of course, have you know the agility. So. If I decide tomorrow that um, I don't want to use uh, Zoom to record my podcast anymore, I want to move to Skype, I don't have to fill in any requisition form or put right. up a case to a board of, you know, the and board. I don't have to get the IT people to make no, it so I can download just, the software. And exactly. You just kind of go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. But I think also perhaps a, a topic that I might just move us towards is that mm -hmm. Within, you know, because I don't want anyone listening to think, oh, gosh, it all sounds so easy. It's all so easy. Right. Um, it's not. It's not. And there, and there are traps within there, you know. Mm -hmm. it, and one of those traps is that um, because businesses are so easy to start these days, to get started, um, what that also does mean that the failure rates, uh, the businesses that don't work, mm -hmm. Um, is, you know, it, it continues to be, in some cases, alarmingly high. Right. Now, it's not, um, I don't believe a lot of the statistics that people put out about business failure. And often when you hear and read things about business failure, it's often written by somebody who's trying to flog you their services, mm -hmm. you know, a business coach or a consultant or something. Now, certainly businesses don't always work. But an interesting parallel that, that I talk about at some point in the book, I think, is that 
most businesses that that don't work don't fail due to some sort of catastrophic financial event. Mm-hmm. They often fail because the business owner, the person running it, just makes a decision, this is too hard, mm-hmm. or this isn't the business I thought I'd have. So they move to do something different. And they might, and certainly in Australia, and I believe it's the same in the US, business failure is often counted by the name, by the number of business registrations versus right. the number of business cancellations mm-hmm. in whatever shape or form. But often businesses that that cease don't cease because of say because of some massive catastrophe, they cease because the person says no, that's not quite right. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be doing that under that name. I should be doing this under this name. So they move into a different direction. Mm-hmm. So, an an awful lot of failure statistics don't delineate between that at all. So they count everything that, you know, a new business, a name that's been closed or a, name, a new name that's been started, they count that as a failure. Now, I don't consider that to be a failure any more than if you move home, if you move from one house to another house, right. you would never say that the last house was a failure. Mm-hmm. It's just that it didn't suit you. You wanted a different house, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's the thing, I think, within business is that there's, there's a lot of, uh, I'm not suggesting that failure isn't something that should, we should be concerned with. We should, but don't let's worry ourselves crazy about the incidence of failure. Let's just understand why businesses don't work. Now, in a lot of cases, the reason a business doesn't work, particularly in this, um, the age of the startup, is because actually there's no market for what that business is doing. Now, right. that seems inconceivable but there's been quite a a lot of research done most of it from the u.s that looks at why businesses didn't work and Mm -hmm. often it is because nobody actually wants what they're flogging Mm -hmm. Uh, which sounds you know probably to you and i Dave, to be fairly basic but what can happen with the sort of excitement and frenzy of a new business idea is we don't actually spend enough enough time really researching our potential market and understanding, does anybody want what I'm trying to sell? Right. You know, we talk to our friends, we talk to our family. They all tell us that we're brilliant. They mm-hmm. all tell us the right. idea is yeah. genius. They're supposed um, to. They're supposed to. But um, but then when we get out there in the big wide world, it, it often doesn't reflect. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the, of the research. I can't remember. It'll come to me in a minute. But um, there was some research done of, of uh, startups. I think it was about a thousand startups that had failed were research. Um, they found that forty-two percent of those failed because there was no market need. Hmm. Um, now that's that's a high figure in the, right. in the failure rate. But mm-hmm. what's more incredible is every one of those businesses that they researched um, had already had uh, at least one million dollars worth of investment. Wow. So somebody somewhere had invested in every one of those businesses up to a million dollars, CB Insights, that's, that's the research company. Mm-hmm. So over a million dollars invested, <clears throat> but the businesses still hadn't worked and the reason they hadn't worked was there's no market. Now that's bonkers. Mm-hmm. That's just crazy. So what we must do, anyone listening who's thinking of starting a business, is before you do too much, go out and really research, does somebody want what I'm thinking mm-hmm. of selling? Whether it's a product or a service, you need to do your research. Right. Anyway, that's... Well, and along with that, you have to fine-tune it. You know, Maybe it's this great idea, but what is the niche that you need to find? Yeah. Um, 
you know, all of these various things. I mean, clearly your niche is working with solo uh, soloists and you know rather than you know consulting with somebody who's got say a hundred a thousand employees i mean you know that you've done there you know been there done that that's not what you want to do anymore yeah Um, you know and 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 it is difficult to be a you know on your own especially if you're really on your own you know the person like you and i that are a home-based business um you know and and uh, what I loved about your book is you talked about ways to to um, alleviate some of those things. But what mm. are some other challenges that someone who is you know what we would call a micro business or a, you know a soloist? What are some of those other challenges that they face? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, look, um, the biggest challenge, and I can say this with some knowledge, um, certainly of the Australian community, because we have over the years through Flying Solo, done some fairly extensive research. And every couple of years um, since 2000 and, I can't remember, 2006, I think, uh, we researched our community. So mm-hmm. we had, you know, between 1,500 to 3,000 people under, undertaking our research every couple of years. And it was fairly in, in, intensive. Mm-hmm. And every single time that we did it, the hot buttons, the biggest challenges were exactly the same on every, every time we ran mm. that course. The first, or that research, sorry, the first um, challenge is always finding enough clients or having enough revenue. Right. So it's always number one. Um, now, it's, it, it, it saddens me that it is <laughs> because, but there you are, that's, that's, the, that, that's it. If you stop mm-hmm. most small businesses and say, what do you want more of? Most times, the first thing they'll say is, I, I need more money, I need more revenue, I need more clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I might do is I'll whisk through them and I'll just come back to some very quick sort of solutions or things to think about mm-hmm. under each of those. Is that, is that okay? Yes, definitely. Okay. Right. So that's the first thing is having enough clients. The next thing is is wearing too many hats, mm-hmm. is doing too much stuff. So overwhelm really right. is what I'm talking about here. And kind of not surprising when you think about it, if you're running a business by yourself, you've got to do everything. You know, you don't walk over on your first day to the stationary cupboard to get you stationary because there isn't a cupboard and there isn't any stationery. Mm-hmm. So you've got to go and buy it yourself. Um, there's all of it. So you are doing initially, certainly everything yourself. And that can be quite tiring for a lot of people. So there's ways around that as well, things that we need to think about. Well, so and was, um, some people don't have the knowledge to do, you know, some of those things, you know, for example, you know, accounting, taxes, sure. you know, yeah. logo design, you know, all those various things. And, and I think it, many cases, our ego <clears throat> gets in the way. We think, yeah. well, I've got this great idea. I'm starting this, this fabulous company. I must be able to do it all myself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And look, that's that's um, very much you know that's one of the many traps of of small business is that is that uh, some people who end up working by themselves they kind of have to work by themselves because they just can't bear to work for the man anymore right. or whatever. Um, and they can fall very easily fall into a trap that no one does it as well as me. Mm-hmm. Now, if oh, you're that's sing- me, that trust no. me, that is me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a that's a as you would know that's a trap because mm-hmm. if basically no one does it as well as you then basically what you're saying is then Deb you're doing everything right um, and you know that's kind of probably not going to work so one of the things I think you know on that topic in business is maybe not everyone does it as absolutely the way you do it. But if you have your policies and your procedures and you're a good communicator, then you can get it pretty damn mm-hmm. close. 
Um, and as long as uh, a business owner is trying to do everything, then what they're not doing, and I'm kind of answering, you know, some of the other points I was said I come back to, mm -hmm. is if they're buried in the in the doing of everything, what they're not doing is the work that they really need to be doing. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, a typical question I'll ask someone who says, "Well, what I need are more clients." What I will often say to them is, okay, show me your diary and show me what you're doing next week in the pursuit of new clients. Mm -hmm. And they go, what are you talking about? And I said, well, where's your, where's your marketing right. plan? Where's your, you know, what are How you are doing? How are you going to get those new people? Yes. What are you doing? They say, oh, well, you know, I'll go to a networking meeting or I'll do this or I'll go on Facebook. It's like, no, that's, none of those things are marketing plans. Mm -hmm. uh, and what, what we need to do as businesses, if finding clients is your biggest hot button, then you that needs to reflect in your week. You mm -hmm. need to spend. Maybe it's maybe the starting point is to understand more about marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of small businesses, a lot of solo businesses, are wonderful practitioners. You know, let's think of the yoga instructor again. Right. You know, might be a wonderful yogi has had mm -hmm. years of experience, has trained with the finest yogis throughout India, all of those things, but doesn't have the faintest idea how to do marketing. Mm -hmm. And the danger there is that you can't just sit there being an expert, being a wonderful practitioner, and expect people to flood towards you. Mm -hmm. You need to understand marketing. Now, what a lot of soloists will say is, well, I'll just outsource all that. I'll pay a marketer. Well, that might work. But frankly, you need to understand this stuff yourself. Mm -hmm. Or else how will you be able to judge whether that company right. you're paying a fee to are doing a decent job? So... And the thing with marketing, and uh, Deb, as, a, you know, as an ex-marketer, marketing consultant myself, I can tell you marketing is easy. Mm -hmm. Generally, it's easy. The concept of marketing is easy. Now, as a marketing consultant, I would never have said that. Right. Because, uh -huh. because if I make it sound complicated, I can well, why charge should we pay you three to times as much. <laughs> you know. But, you know, you can buy a book on marketing, you know, go and follow Seth Godin or, you know, buy some of his books. And you can understand marketing. You need to understand it. Once you understand something, mm -hmm. then you can outsource it. Mm -hmm. If you outsource without understanding, that's not outsourcing. That's abrogating responsibility. Right. And that's, that's problematic, particularly mm -hmm. when you do that with your bookkeeping. Right. Anyway, so I was going through our – sorry, I'm going off again. But so first, first hot button, first challenge is finding clients. Second one is overwhelm, wearing too many hats. Mm -hmm. uh, third one is actually time management, which clearly mm -hmm. is very closely related to the second one. Mm -hmm. And that's again, is to do with priorities. If you don't know what you should be prioritizing on, if you don't know where your focus should be, then yes, you're going to spend all day on Facebook or in your inbox. Mm -hmm not a good look. Right. Um, and the final hot button in, in the top four is getting the business model right. And mm -hmm. a lot of businesses do struggle with that, is getting it right. And it's a little bit about what you were saying a few minutes ago about you know, shifting from you know, a business that looks like this to one that looks like that. You know, we do need to move around a bit sometimes to get the right business, mm -hmm. you know, to have the business that works. And when I think about when I started my business, you know, initially, if you had a heartbeat and a credit card, you were my ideal client. <laughs> right. You mm -hmm. know? And that just doesn't work. As I, as I found, what I had to do was develop my niche. And once I did that, then I changed my business name. I changed from, I think I was called Time for Change. Uh, I changed to Flying Solo, you mm -hmm. know, so, and I changed my business name. I changed my proposition. I changed my website. Mm -hmm. So the first business hadn't failed. I'd evolved. Right. And that's the thing we need to think of as businesses is what, 
Who are we trying to serve? What is the work that we do? And am I spending my time and my day doing the things that are going to get me where I want to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that actually brings me to another question. And, and it is something that, uh, you know, I, I struggle with. And, and I mentioned, you know, I started my business 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's staying focused. You know, I, yeah. I am the typical squirrel type of, of person. You know? yeah. Or, you know, I try to not, you know, get lost in Facebook world and, and all of those various things. But, you know, time management, staying focused, and, and you do address this in your book. And, and yeah. you know, it is something I have found, one of the things that I have found is I have to write it down. You know, mm. and so I do, I keep a list now. What did I do today? Because then yeah. I can look back at it and go, oh yeah, well I did that. Um, you know, mm. or I can look back several weeks ago. Oh, I did it on that day. But it helps me to see, okay, that project took me an hour. Therefore, when I have to do it again, it's probably going to take an hour. Um, yep. and, and, but what are some other tips that you have for staying focused? Yeah, well, look, that's a great question. And look, I think I would just say something before I kind of respond to that, which is um, I came across a a lovely expression quite recently, which is uh, strategic procrastination. Ah, that's me. (laughs) So uh, I'll just explain what that is or the way the way I understand it. Is because I just think sometime in this day and age, there's so much talk about you know efficiency and productivity and the four-hour work week and getting up at four thirty in the morning and doing all, you know, all this stuff to make us more productive. And I think it's just worth reminding ourselves that why you know why are we being more productive? Mm-hmm. If we're being more productive just to do more work, then. Mm, is that really how we want to live our lives? Is that right. what we should be doing? Mm-hmm. If we want to be more productive so we can spend more time uh, with our families, with our communities, with other people, supporting other people, then, you know what I mean? That's, that mm-hmm. sounds like, that's, that's, that's good. Right. So for those of us that are saying, I'm not focused, I'm not working productively, I just think, well, just take a little step back here and just have a look at the bigger picture here. How are things going? You know, are you living the life you want to be living? Are you doing good work? Are you generally happy with the way things are going? And in most cases, many people say, well, actually, yes, I am. Right. You know, when um, Da Vinci took whatever it was, the the jury's still out on exactly how long, but, you know, eight, 10 or 12 years to paint the Mona Lisa, Mm -hmm. which is a painting, you know, about the size of a magazine cover. Mm -hmm. You know, why did he take that long? Well, it was because he wanted to procrastinate strategically. He wanted to look at it. He varnished it, I don't know how many hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. He fiddled with the lips. You know, and it's okay to do that. Mm -hmm. It's okay to just allow things to evolve at their own pace. But so that's just kind of, I just want to let a few people off the hook if they're really beating themselves up about uh, Mm -hmm. focus. But the thing with focus, the, the sort of the quickest response to focus is, it comes down to where are we trying to get to? Mm-hmm. If we don't have in front of us, uh, either in, in our mind, maybe on our wall, on our desktop, a clear sense of where we're trying to get to, mm-hmm. then we're always going to struggle with focus. Right. We're always going to struggle with it. So 
Uh, I'm a great believer in having a vision board, a visual interpretation of where you're trying to get to. And not get, not, my vision board doesn't have pictures of, you know, long pointy cars or speedboats or island or <laughs> desert islands or anything. It's got pictures of, you know, a happy, contented looking wife. It's got pictures of a healthy sort of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So it's got things that I think this is, this is what I want. So how am I, and I, and I make sure that each and every day I'm doing something that's he heading me in the direction that I want to be. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not looking and never have looked to growing a really big business. I don't want a big business. I want a business that allows me to be, you know, to, to be the best person I can be, mm -hmm. to be the best sort of human I can be. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's at the core of it. Um, so th th there are a number of things I talk about in the book about, about uh, ways that we can stay focused, but avoiding distractions is clearly one of them, mm -hmm. you know, and email, social media, in many cases, they can be huge distractions. Right. I mean, we should get control of those, mm -hmm. you know, because it's, they're not necessarily going to get us where we want to get to, mm -hmm. you know, again, if, if the vision is in front of you, really what's spending a long, long time on social media going to do to get you there? Mm -hmm. You know, unless you have a very clear strategic approach to all of your social media activities, then I say, leave it alone. Mm -hmm. Just don't go there. Right. You know, unless you want to go as a treat mid morning with your morning tea or coffee, you have a little look at what's going on socially. Sure. Mm -hmm. But apart from that, stay away from it. Right. You don't have to be on every form of social media. You don't, you just don't have to be look at the ones Look where your customers are. Right. Where are they? Concentrate on that and let go of everything else. Mm -hmm. So look, it's, a, it's a big topic focus, and, and clearly we could go into it a lot more. But I oh, think you know, the, yeah, the way you're saying write things down, of course, absolutely, I, I would never disagree mm -hmm. with that. We should be starting our day with, we, we probably all of us got action this, but what are the three things that you want to accomplish today mm -hmm. in amongst the list of probably many more things? What are the three things that are going to help you in the direction you want to go that you're going to accomplish today? And just make sure you do those three things. Mm -hmm. If you don't do the other 500 things on your list, well, so what? Right. right. There's, there's always tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, Robert, we're almost at the end of time and, and end of time, end of time today. Right. <laughs> um, and I definitely want to have you on again because I think we need to, to continue this discussion. But it was funny. I wrote down three words as you were talking. And it was something that struck me as I read your book and then more so as you were talking. And I wrote down, are you happy? Mm. You know, and, and I think that's what it comes down to. And, and, you know, in many cases, especially maybe here in the United States, there's a lot of peer pressure. There's a lot of family pressure, you know, all these mm. various things. And, and so we're living up to someone else's expectations yeah. as opposed to, you know what, I've, I'm, I'm exactly fine with where I need to be right now. Um, mm. you know, and, and I really got that from talking with you and, and reading your book is it's okay to, you know, to only work four days a week, or mm. as you said, you know, you were uh, you you were and are a great parent because you made that a priority. Um, you know, and and I think that is something that so many people tend to forget is we just need to to I hate to use the word judge, but judge mm. ourselves. And would anybody else thinks well, you know, that's nice, but doesn't doesn't really do that much for us. That's right. Yeah, it's what you know. I think that. 
um, as individuals, you know, we need to be throughout our lives very clear on what we really hold dear, you know, Mm -hmm. what we value. What are the things that allow you to be the person you really want to be? And are you bringing those things alive every day? Mm -hmm. You know, too often with this talk of balance and, um, you know, work life balance. Yeah, work life balance. I mean, to my (laughs) mind, you know, Unfortunately, in our societies, balance usually is something that you cram in at the weekend. Right. That, that's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, balance should be in every day, every day. So there should be balance between work and fun and enjoyment and things that allow you to be who you want to be. Mm-hmm. So bring it into every day. Don't save it for the weekends or for your annual holiday because, surprise, surprise, it won't happen. You know, you right. won't have those things. Mm-hmm. And, Deb, you know, we both know there are so many stories of people who just fall over too early, you know, mm-hmm. because of stress, stress and right. pressure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not suggesting that we can fix that in an hour, but, you know, it's surely the thing that we do most of, which in most of our lives is work, mm-hmm. um, is absolutely one of the biggest contributors is to how we front up and how we feel. Mm-hmm. So l- the beauty of being a soloist is you can control your work. Right. You can control what you do, when you do it, and who you do it with. Mm-hmm. Um, and gosh, that is such a gift that we can do mm-hmm. that. Right. And it's not easy, but we can do it. Right. I love it. Well, oh my gosh, Robert. Like I said, we will definitely have you on again. But thank until you. then, how do people find you and connect with you online? Well, look, I'd be, thank you for asking that. And I would love to come back and talk to talk with you again and your audience. So look, um, the best place to find me is at robertgerrish.com. So that's mm-hmm. Robert and then G-E-R-R-I-S-H, robertgerrish.com. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. You won't find me in pretty well any other social media, but uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm at robertgerrish.com. I do have, uh, I do a few podcasts. Actually, I do one for Flying Solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been doing my own called Mellow Brick Road. I'm just about to start a new one. Um, and I do one for another organization. So look, I'm, I'm, I'm around and about. Um, please pop over and say hi. Uh, my book, The One Minute Commute, is uh, on Amazon. It's on Audible. And uh, yeah, look, it's been great talking with you. My day started off brilliantly done oh yay i love it and and which means that i wrapped mine up wonderfully also um (laughs) you know and and it really has been great talking with you and and like i said it's it's really made me think you know i'm i'm not an entrepreneur i'm not a small business i'm a soloist i love that Mm. term that's just so cool i'm gonna have to start really using can i leave you with one really quick quote oh yes most definitely this is one that i just love it's from bertrand russell so a philosopher from uh the 1800s uh, in the UK, and he has a phrase that I repeat to myself regularly, which is, the time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. And I just, I think that's lovely. So for anyone listening, if you want to go and get lost a little bit in Facebook or eBay or YouTube, that's okay, mm-hmm. as long as you're enjoying yourself doing right. it. You know? So I the time it. you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. I love it. Well, on that, we're just going to go ahead and wrap it up so that people have that wonderful thought. I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a delightful time talking with Robert Garish. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. 
You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.